Yeah, I, I think to to win an Open Championship in itself is probably going to be a golfer's highlight in their career. To do it around St Andrews, I think, is just unbelievable. This place is so cool. I love the golf course. I love the town. And, yeah, hopefully we can keep that, that trend going with the uh, every 50 years. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. What a week. What a week for Cam Smith and what a week for Australian golf. A big show coming up. One of Cam Smith's closest mentors will be joining us very shortly. Plus, Victorian Keely Marks, who's just won the IMG World Championships over in the US. As I welcome former touring pro Mark Allen and Australian Golf Media manager Martin Blake. Blakey, you've got the hottest phone in Australia right now. <laughs> it's have, in meltdown. Have you ever experienced this amount of interest in your time in golf? No, no, I haven't. I said to someone this morning, I looked at the newspapers around the country this morning because people collect all the front pages and that. And I, I think I said to them, well, it's as big it's as big a reaction as when Adam Scott won the Masters in 2013, bearing in mind that no one had ever won the Masters. Yeah. No Australian had ever won it. Um, but the coverage is probably a bit bigger, I think. You know, it's hard to measure these things. But uh, certainly my phone has rung an awful lot. It started at about 4 o'clock yesterday morning. It didn't stop all day yesterday, and it's still going now. And it's a good busy. It's a good way Blake, to be busy. Blake, have you been watching golf longer than me, I reckon? Have you ever seen an explosion on a back nine? Like that. I mean, the one I think of is Jack Nicholas, who shot 30 in the back nine in 1986. And he, he did that with a bogey, mind you. He, he bogeyed the 12th and shot 30 on the back nine to win that, that championship. But I, yeah. I've, I can't remember five birdies in a row. No. In, 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 in any charge, in any tournament ever, really, I, I to guess, get to the lead. I guess at that point, leading up to that, you were hopeful that he could challenge. But McElroy looked. Rory McIlroy looked pretty steady at that point. He did miss. He did. I, mean, I know they're the biggest greens in the whole world, but he did miss a green. He didn't make a bogey, McIlroy. He no. just couldn't get going. He didn't make a putt. He just couldn't drop he just a couldn't, yeah. couldn't get going. Well, yeah, he was, I, I just felt like uh, you know the group ahead, McIlroy. Well, Rory has had issues closing. Let's face it, in, in big tournaments, he hasn't won a major for eight years. Eight so, years, yeah. You know, but I thought Cam was a chance, and then he just started to roll him in. And there was a great, great tweet in the middle of all that tiff. Where I think it was one of the magazines in the states, they had a picture, a photo of Cam Smith picking his ball out of the hole, and they photoshopped <laughs> it and made it into a great big crater. It's like a garbage That's exactly bin. Exactly right. <laughs> his putting is unbelievable. He's the best yeah. putter in the world. In fact, Marco, you think he's possibly the best you've ever seen? He's the best I've ever seen. So he's better than Crenshaw. He's better than Finchie. I think he's better than Tiger. He I says, mean, he's just the best. He says if he gets the ball within ten to twelve feet, he absolutely it'll drop. That was his mindset. Yeah. Well, when you see it go in that often, it's hard to think anything else is going to happen. But look, I'm doing a masterclass on the master on the mindset of putting. So just hang around for that one later because yeah. it's a simple one and it's one that works and it's one that's clearly he he does because you just watch his pre-shot routine the whole way. So we saw on Saturday he just his putts weren't dropping. So what he did, he was asked what was the difference between the, between the second last day and the final day, and he said he just spent five minutes on the putting green. He just wanted to see and feel a couple of putts, all it was yeah, to go, yeah. go in, and that was it. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, he's that, putting that, the bag, and off he went. That, that that's golf. I mean, you, they don't always go in, and it's hard for people to to, to realise this, but. They're not putting on a billiard table 
It's there are heel marks and pitch marks, and you know there are there are parts of the green that weren't quite in properly, and and all, and all the rest of it. So, um, you know, sometimes you hit the most beautiful putt from ten feet you've ever hit in your life, and it just won't go in. It's, it's, you've got to read the greens correctly as well. So, you know. You, you can have bad days on the greens. You can have average days on the greens. You can have a beautiful putting day on the greens and nothing goes in. So a bit of perspective. He's the fifth ever Australian to mm-hmm. win the Open Championship, uh, the first since Greg Norman in 1993. Yep. So it's been a bit of a drought. Uh, two majors in a year for Australia. Minji Lee wins the US Open. Mm. If you think about that for a moment, the US Open's by far the biggest tournament yeah. in women's golf. Absolutely. The, yeah. the Open Championship, otherwise known as the British Open, is probably the biggest tournament in men's golf. Well, when and we won them both. When it's at St Andrews, it goes up a level. In the 150th plane. It goes up on a level. It goes Rory, up two levels. Rory said it was the holy grail of all majors that have ever been played, and Tiger Woods backed him up. So Australia's done this before. 1981, David Graham and Jan Stevenson won a major in the same year. 2006, Jeff Ogilvie and Kari Webb won a major in the mm. same year. So that's, this is the third time that's ever happened. And I love the photo that went out of Minji, Lee and Cam Smith with the 2013 Australian Amateur. Absolutely. Yes. Which they won in the same year. So. And so they're both uh, world number two now. Yeah. That is incredible. A country of 26 million. How much do you think this win and Minji's win will propel junior golf? Well... It's funny you say that because I, I drove into Australian Golf Headquarters this morning and it was a full car park. It seems like there was a lot of people on the putting green, many more than normal. Look, we saw when Greg Norman was the world number one um, and there were 331 weeks in a row where he was the world number one, there were golf courses around Australia that had 10-year waiting lists. You know, it was it was ridiculous. Well, I was a member of Huntingdale Golf Club, where they had the Masters. There was a fourteen year waiting list there at one stage because Greg was the world number one, and he was winning the Australian Masters every second year. So uh, you, you just know more people are going to be getting the golf course. What have you seen, Blake? Look, I think that you're exactly right. There is a correlation. If you look at the numbers of playing members, club members in Australia. There was a decline from about mm. 2000 on until 2019. Now, that's yeah. been reversed, I guess, because of COVID and whatever else. You know, club memberships went up 6.8% last year or 2020. So uh, there's a correlation between having elite and popular players like Greg Norman was. Yeah. So w- when he went into his decline and started to play less, our numbers went down. Correct. So you need inspiration. You need role models. And we need clubs out there and facilities, you know, listening – to say, okay, Cam Smith's win is not just about getting young boys into golf. It's about encouraging children of all whatever ages and male and female to go out there and get a, much like we had uh, Ash Barty's win. That's inspired a generation of, of tennis players, whatever they yeah. are. So this is all about inspiring a generation. And I've, I actually saw there was a few junior um, programs that were named Tiger Woods and Whatever. If you've got those around the country, how about renaming them Cam Smith or Minji Lee? Uh, Yeah, maybe. It could easily work. Can we talk about his round, please? Because some of the stuff that he did on the back nine was ridiculous. Uh, The pitch that he hit into number 10. The big little spinny pitch. The low spinning pitch. That was a piece of beauty, wasn't it? But where the Uh, pin was tucked, it it was, you know, the, the ball had to bounce up a ridge. (laughs) <laughs> out of a, you know, a real hollow. Yeah. And then it, it, I reckon it bounced four times before it actually took its spin on the green and then just dribbled down to the hole. That was that one was of the most superb. beautiful things I've ever seen in golf. 
Mm. And that was it. That was the start. Uh, then, you know, the next hole, just to get it, you know, just the he, he didn't attack these pins. And, and I want to talk about the golf course and the way it was set up in, in a little bit. But he couldn't attack some of these pins. But even so, he was just the right amount of aggressive on 11, 12, and 13. 14, he had the iron in to a par five. He hits it over the back. Now, you've had four birdies in a row. You're on a putting roll. But to hit that one from off the green, up a ridge, onto a green that you know goes all over the place, then up onto a plateau, to hit that one after four birdies in a row to one and a half feet... I mean, he was in a different world. Yeah. Just a different world. Can you explain to the golfer out there who's not akin to some of the language what hitting away from the pin means, like not being aggressive on a links yeah. course like that? Well, the, the, the best example is that road hole um, with the bunker right in front. You, you just can't go at that pin because if you hit the ball at, the, at where it should land to get close, it, there's a big bunker in the way. If you land just over that bunker, there's a downslope and it pings off the downslope and goes against the wall, more, more or less, or on which, the road. Which at the we worst saw a few places yeah. against the wall. That's right. So there, there are slopes and hollows and different places. And when um, a golf course is as hard as a rock, uh, there are just some pins where you just couldn't possibly go at because you would land on line with that pin on the green. It would land on a downslope and it would be, you know, hit the, your ball would be headed towards one of those pot bunkers. Mm. And the, their bunkers are different than ours. I mean, you can end up in a corner where, you know, the bunkers that we're used to... faces on them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we're used to um, these beautiful surfaces where they rolled out into the middle and you're never hampered by the edge of a bunker. But over there, it's a different ballgame. Well, they called them coffin bunkers. Yeah. Because basically you were dead. Yeah, it's it's funny, (laughs) you know, I I saw this this tweet during the week and I'm I'm on Twitter and and, and it's great for news. And there was, I can't remember who it was, but he said their bunkers are small, but they play big because the ball, the ground slopes into yes. all these bunkers. So they actually play quite quite big. Some of our bunkers, because they're raised, they're big, but they play small. So it's like because the pinball Because yeah, your ball will roll away from them. And I thought that was pretty good. So, yeah, there is discipline in aiming away from flags, and, and I reckon he was more aggressive than most. And, and when you watch what Rory did versus what uh, Cameron did, Rory was super conservative, I reckon. He probably had – I mean, at the start of the day with a four-shot lead, really all he had to do was, was beat Hovland, and Hovland went – Hovland fell away. Yeah, Hovland yeah. fell away. So, but the little Aussie well. in the group behind uh, That's right. took him down. He couldn't, so, turn on, he couldn't turn on the aggression when it was needed. That, that's how I saw it. So with Cam, he gets to 17. He's got, he's got to the lead. The yeah. five birdies have – the fifth birdie got him to the lead. So he gets to number 17. And hits it into the into the uh, hits a good drive actually, yeah, a lovely a drive, drive. But then pulls his second yep. behind the road hole bunker. By, by people, the way, people that, go down and take photos of that bunker. That's yeah. one of the most famous bunkers in the world. He got he got a little bit lucky there because his ball landed on the upslope of the front of the green. Now if it if it went about two feet, three feet further, it lands on the front of the green, probably ends up in that trap, mm. yeah. and then it's game it's it's game on. But you know what's going to happen? Yeah. He can't flick it over the bunker. There's no way he can stop it. So he puts it up. The mindset of this, you know, he took Beautiful. his medicine. He puts it up around the edge of the bunker and gets it to, I believe, four metres, 11 yeah. feet, I yeah. believe, yeah. was yeah. the part. Yeah. This is where he could throw away the tournament, right there. Yeah. He, he could have tried to flick it over the over the trap. Correct. Made a seven. Yep. Yeah. He puts it up and he says, okay, I'll have a putt for par. Worst I'll do from there is bogey. Yeah. 
He knocks the putt in. Yep. Yeah. Can, can I, I, I can't believe that, what can, he did there. Can I say, the putt around the bunker wasn't easy? Mm. No. You know, you, no know when you, saw, you know when you saw it go up? It only just got on to the – it only just got over the slope and then rolls down that hill I was talking about a little while ago and ended up in the perfect leave. So even even the initial first putt from him behind good. the bunker was – Ten out of ten. Yeah. So, so I think plus. that I think that that up and down has to go into the annals yeah. of absolutely of history. Let, let's have a listen to Cameron Smith talking about that that moment because it was a lifesaver. Yeah, I think um, you know that's that second shot on seventeen. Uh, it's just really an awkward shot, um, especially where I was. Uh, I kind of had to draw a nine iron in there, and I mean you're only trying to get it to forty or fifty feet anyway, and um, yeah, this didn't quite commit to to the shape I wanted to hit, and and got it a little bit a little bit toey and and turned over a touch more than I would have liked. Um, and then uh, the the part next to the green, I mean, I was just trying to get it, uh, you know, inside 15 feet. The putter felt really good um, all day, and and I knew if I could get it somewhere in there, um, that I'd be able to give it a a pretty good run, and um, yeah, manage to get away with a four there. And then he gets to the 18th. He smashed his Great drive. Mar- Marco yeah. couldn't believe the, the line that he took on 18th yeah. because the road goes down the right hand side. Well, there's there's out of bounds on this hole. So look, the putting is one thing, but but he is crazy brave in my view, and and maybe you have to be to win tournaments like this. I mean, I've you know never been anywhere near it, but most people when they stand on the 18th tee, whether it's a social round or whether they've got a good score going, they aim. At the steps of the clubhouse, yep. which is just to the left of, of the green. It's a huge green down there. Um, I heard Cameron speak about this after his round. He aimed right at that. He aimed at the left-hand edge at the top of the grandstand, which is about 20-foot right of the steps of the clubhouse. And he said he tried to fade it. Now, <laughs> you know, if the fade turns into a cup. If, if, the, if the fade turns into a cup. Or something, you know, maybe gets put off in the back of his golf swing. I mean, who knows what happens. But if he cuts it out of bounds, he becomes a punchline in golf. A bit like John Vandervelde, you know. Someone who stood on the 72nd hole, only needed a double bogey, Carnoussi the win. He ended up holding an eight-footer for seven and then losing in the playoff. If something crazy happened, he's a punchline in golf. So the ability, the mental gift of putting that all to one side... Because everybody else is aware of that out of bounds. You don't want to be the one to do it. I think it just speaks volumes of how mentally strong this kid is. Do you reckon he stood over that final putt knowing, because Cameron Young had just uh, held the eagle. eagle, knowing it was just a little bit longer than I reckon he'd stood over any other putt. Obviously, this was the yeah. championship, but it was just, we just sort of... It would be, be unusual to know what would go through putt. your head. It you would know, be unusual to... To be in that spot. Do you know what? It wasn't the championship because Rory McIlroy's in the final group and it's a very short par four. So yeah. he would have just gone yeah, through the, he would have gone through the process. Yes, it could be the championship, but I still gotta you know yeah. you've still gotta wait for McElroy to come through. So McElroy, if he'd knocked it on the green at eighteen, which a lot of players did this week. Yeah. He's got a putt for Eagle. He gets into a playoff. So just just a moment. He wasn't on, able to do that. Obviously, a moment on Cameron Young. I yes. mean, the guy who came second. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he came third at the US PGA. He's thirty something in the world yep. before he started this week. Yeah. Um, just to get up and hold that putt on the seventy second for any chance at all. Absolutely brilliant. That is a mighty mighty yeah. performance. 
incredible. What about the other Aussies? We had three others tied for 15th week. and uh, Minwoo tied for 21st. Superb week. So Lucas Herbert, Anthony Quayle in his first major ever. <laughs> yeah. And Adam Scott all finished in the top 15. So yeah, it was a yeah. hell of a week. I mean, they all played extremely well, especially it's a great shout-out to yeah. Anthony Quayle from Queensland who, yeah. who uh, you know, just had a wonderful week. He had, uh, you know... He was tremendous. Adam Scott played really well again. And Minwoo Lee was tied 21st, yeah. so he had an excellent week as well. He's had a good year. And, uh, you know, Brad Kennedy and Jason Scriven are tied 53rd. So, look, it was a, it was a really uh, excellent week for Australians. Uh, and, and what about <laughs> yeah. Peter Thompson's ashes? Please? Oh, I love this story. So Andrew Thompson, the son of Peter, the late, great Peter Thompson, yeah. uh, went out. Who won it five time. times. Won the Open five times, had a house at St Andrews, went there every year. He goes out on the morning of the final day and spreads Peter's ashes. I'm not sure where he asked the uh, yeah, R&A. Yeah, yeah, he got permission. Yeah. Uh, he goes he, he out, spreads permission. the ashes and says to himself, well, I hope this is, brings us some good luck for the yeah. Aussies today. And then away you go. Yeah. He actually hit a few putts on the final green with uh, Peter Thompson's putter as well. Pete, Pete must have his yeah, the putter that in the he morning, used. I think it was. Pete must have the putter. Yeah. that he used in in the in you know some of the opens that he won. Well, he won nineteen fifty five, and and, it, and he still you know obviously got it there and went out and hit a few putts on yeah. the eighteenth. So I mean, to me, it's absolutely beautiful that sort of stuff. Beautiful. And Tiff Cam Smith didn't have anyone there with him other than his his team, obviously. Um, you know, caddies, uh, fitness trainer, those sort of people there. But uh, yeah. his dad, Des, who's a very good player at one team. A, Country club in Brisbane didn't make it, and have a listen to Cam talking about uh, his dad kicking himself. Um, I actually don't. I, I don't have any family here. Um, I've got. I've got all my team here. Um, my dad was actually meant to come over, um, and he pulled out in on the in the last minute. Basically, um, I had a chat with a quick chat with him before. He's kicking himself now. Um, uh, yeah, but why, why didn't he come? Sorry, your dad. Why wasn't he able to? It was just, just, it was just, just kind of the thought of doing all that travel for for one week, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. He's he's definitely kicking himself now, and and uh, I really wish he was here too. It would have been such a cool week, even even without this uh, to be at the home of golf. Dad loves his golf as well, and have, have um, you had a, would have been have awesome. It, have you had a message from him yet at all? I haven't looked at my phone yet. Um, uh, when when you win golf tournaments, you have friends that you didn't even uh, know were friends. So uh, I'm sure it's going to be busy. Yeah, it would have been lovely, obviously, to have his family there, but uh, he'll have an opportunity to to celebrate with them, and that's just that's the way it goes. Can we talk about the golf course, please? Because the way it played was unusual. You know, it was 20 Tough. under par. Um, very difficult. Yeah, I mean, to, to get to that score, some of the shots you had to hit. You know. Yet to have amazing uh, understanding of how Lynx golf mm. is played. Um, I've I've got a feeling if they had standard pin placements that they've had in other opens, that the winning score would have been twenty eight under. Well, they made sure it wasn't, didn't they? They made wow. sure those some of the pins they tucked. I mean, I, I don't know, I I stopped counting how often the commentators and the people who have played the tournament and played British Opens at that course a lot. I, I the amount of times they said I've never seen the flag there. Um, was yeah. remarkable, absolutely yeah. remarkable, and they had to do it. I, I saw Rory McIlroy on day three hit a three iron to, the, to on the green on the eighteenth. Now, 
The RNA and the USGA have been talking about rolling things back a little bit. If this wasn't the eye-opener this week, I mean, you know, what, what are we doing? Something, something's got to happen at some stage because if they had your stock standard past pin placements at St Andrews, I guarantee 28 under with the same weather conditions, same players, 28 under, maybe 30 under wins the thing. And were you all for it? I love what for? As for making it harder. Oh, they had to. Yeah, they had to. Otherwise, you know, if if you get to twenty eight under in the major, it's doesn't feel. I mean, it's 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 they're just playing the golf course. Yeah. I mean, in actual fact, it was a par sixty eight, wasn't it? There were there were five holes they can drive uh, under regulation, and let's just take one of them out. So it was a par sixty eight. So if it's a par sixty eight. Um, that's 16 on the par. He showed, they, they've, they've shot four on the par to win the tournament, basically, and they're the hardest yeah, pin yeah, placements yeah. we've ever yeah. seen. So that, that to me, makes sense. But I hope, I hope they roll back sooner rather than later because you want to see a course like St Andrews. Um, I don't want to say it was tricked up, but you don't want to see them having to trick it up just so they don't shoot 30 under. Uh, one of the questions that Cam was asked in the press conference was about Liv and that there were rumours going around that he potentially was going to take up the opportunity to play. What did you make of his comments and, and, and his positioning? Yeah, well, it was the same answer that Brooks Kepka gave uh, at the US Open. Uh, almost exactly the same. We saw Brooks go not long after. Uh, there's a little thing called the FedEx Cup that he's in pretty good shape for <laughs> just at the moment. So I don't think he's going to kiss that money away because if you go ahead and I mean he wants to win the FedEx Cup now so if you go ahead and win the FedEx Cup you know what's that it's probably ends up being another 20 million dollars in his kick so I don't think he's going to announce it anytime soon because you want to have the ability to to win that thing but after the FedEx Cup so that's grand final week basically last week um in September for the NRL and the AFL so the the Mm. tour championship is usually always on that week uh, that's when I think we'll really understand which players are going to go. And to be honest with you, it's not going to surprise anybody. I mean, if they're throwing around the money that they're throwing around at the moment, I mean, I've, I've seen reports where uh, Cameron Smith has been offered $110 plus million. I mean, if that was last week before he won, yeah, you know, he's number two in the world, he's the open champion. I mean, that $110 million goes to $150 million, I would have thought. Is that worth more than winning the Masters? Well, see, this is the thing, Tiff, and it's it's an interesting point. All the major championships are entities under themselves, so it's up to them whether they ban the live plays. At the moment, they're they're true open sort of things at the moment, so everyone can play. Uh, If we see see them shut the gates to the live players, it's all over. It's absolutely all over. Whether they will or not is a different story. The other one is the world rankings point. So we spoke about this last week. Uh, I think June, July 6 or 7, they put in a request for world ranking points for the live tournaments. There's 54 whole events. That's usually across. Um, shotgun starts are across and also just 48 players. Um, they're all crosses. They did, they did, so I don't, I don't think they're going to get world ranking points anytime soon, which means if you haven't won a major, all your world ranking points erode in two years. Good night, nurse. All right. Well, we'll just see how that all plays out, but uh, we'll continue our chat about Cameron Smith after break with uh, a man who has helped guide his career.
Well, what a special guest we have for our Cherry Picked this week. It is a man who has mentored Cameron Smith for a number of years, Tony Myers, the Senior Manager of the High Performance in Queensland. It's great to have you, Tony, join us on what has been just an incredible few days. Yeah, absolutely. What an incredible week and super exciting for Cam and, and his team and for Australian golf. I want to ask you a question, which is always easy after the event, but if you put your hand on your heart, when you first met Cam Smith, did you think he had it in him to win a major? He was always very special as a junior and an amateur, that's for sure. He definitely always, you could see, had something. I think um, if you honestly said, like, you know, it's so hard to predict and it's such a, the mountain he has climbed is such a large one. Um I think more recently, certainly, like in the last two or three years, absolutely, you could tell that he was going to win a major. But I think, yeah, when when he was a junior, he was he was very, very good, but he, he had a long way to go. Tony, uh, it's been interesting watching him progress on the PGA Tour in his career um, once he got going. Uh, his first win was a team's event, and, and that was great. You know, it's great to get a win in, in some form or another. And then it, it has just slowly accelerated to 2022 where he's won three times contended in other majors and now he's the number two player in the world has it just been a gentle acceleration of skill or did something happen in the last couple of years last three years that has been a game changer for him yeah i say this to people regularly that every time since he was a junior right through his amateur career and into his professional career, every time I'd steam play, he was a bit better than the previous time. Now that might've been after a month, after six weeks, three months, he was a little bit better with the skills. Um, each, each time in the last two years, he really has stepped it up in terms of the, the, his practice has improved. He's physically, he's improved his body. And I think his his belief in his game and his belief that he can win major championships and and be one of the top players in the world has helped um, see some of the results he's got in the last 12 months or so. Hey, Tony, uh, just watching his swing in slow-mo, you know, it, it's an interesting golf swing. Um, once he gets the club halfway down, it's as pure as I've ever seen, really. I mean, the elbow's just beautifully in front and everything turns together and there's power and, you know, just all those beautiful things that make uh, watching a slow-mo golf swing look beautiful. Um, Has it always had its own little idiosyncrasies along the way as a junior? I mean, I've seen his record as a junior. It's just, you know, it's off the charts for what we have in this country. But has it always been like that, just through the ball magnificence? Yeah, look, he's always moved well and had an incredible short game. But I think also the thing is, he's been really consistent in his work with his team. He's, you know, worked with Grant Field all the way through from junior right through to the British Open. Um, And he's really been consistent. He knows what works for him. His team knows what works for him and they've stuck to that that model. And I think it's a good lesson for the junior golfers as they progress through the ranks. Tony, it's Blakey. Uh, Did you have a tear in your eye? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, it was, it was certainly a proud day for for anyone who's been a part of it, um, for for those through the high performance program and his team and his family. Um, it was an incredible moment. I was sitting watching it with my wife, and she's been part of that journey as well. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a it was an incredible moment. Back when you first met him, I'm not sure what what age he was when you met him. Possibly about eleven or twelve. Is that right? 
Uh, it was probably more like 13 or 14 when I first first sort of met him in the junior programs. What I, I'm interested in is that no one's ever sort of tried to change him too much. You know, he's got that a bit of a wild larrikin streak in him. There's no doubt about it. And he's a relentless Mickey taker. I mean, he's just, I, I'm sure you've experienced like I have, some of the, the sledging that he can hand out is quite, you know, he's very Australian, isn't he? But he's never had that taken out of him. And no, no one's tried to take it away from him. Yeah, what you see on the TV is what he's like in real life and is what he was like when he was a junior. He's always been easygoing and, and a likable larrikin, um, and he's, he's stuck to that. And like I spoke about before, his team has stuck to the blueprint of what works for him, and that's why he's continued to, to improve and get better. Um, and, look, it's great to see, obviously, with the success he's had and, and you know, he's become – a, a global star in the golf scene. He, he hasn't forgotten, um, you know, to, to just be him. Um, and I think he surrounded himself with good people and, and that's played a big part in that. Have you had a chance yet to have a chat with him or, or share a, a text message? Yeah, so I did chat to, I had a video call with him um, while he was celebrating. It was a brief one because okay. as you can imagine, there'd be plenty of, there was plenty of people around and he was, you know, super excited. But again, he was just like he always is, pretty nonchalant and uh, he was excited and ready for a, ready for a party, that's for sure. Hey, hey, Tony, I heard just before, you know, there was the, the, the tear of the eye question. That, that's, yeah, I love that sort of stuff. But you and your wife sitting on the couch, um, you know, the one that got me off the couch was the birdie on 13. So the, the, the pitch that he hit on 10 was just, you know, off the charts, uh, touch and and just beautiful but it didn't get it took me until three the fourth one in a row that got me off the couch you know I was wide awake and here we go which one was it for you I think 17 was a big one um I really felt like I on that back nine particularly with when he got that momentum I I really felt like he was going to win like I I've had plenty of moments watching not just him but other players where you're just so nervous and I didn't really feel nervous for him through that back nine but for the first time on 17, when he hit it behind that road hole bunker, having been there, I just knew how difficult that shot was going to be. I know how aggressive he likes to play. And I'm like, how aggressive is he going to be? Is he going to try and really bring it off that slope? Mm. And I, that was the first time I was nervous. And then when he held the putt for par, like mm. that was probably the moment when it was like, well, this is uh, – a pretty incredible moment about to happen. At, at listening to the interviews, 13th was the one, Marco, where Cam actually thought, right, let's go, here it is, where he thought he was going to win it. But just a quick one, he said he was asked where he thought his improvement has come in the last 12 months. And he said some people have probably thought I've, I've been a bit lazy, but he spent an extra half hour instead of going out with his mates on the driving range, just really working on his on his driver and, and getting the ball just that little bit closer um, have you seen that improvement, Tony, through his driver that's obviously helped really set up this victory? He's always been an exceptionally good practicer. He uses his time really well. And I think that one of the things, um, he putting more time in or just being that little bit more um, dedicated as, at times has been um, where he could have seen improvement. And certainly in the last two years, there's been a significant improvement um, he has worked particularly hard this year and I've seen it firsthand with the driver and, um, you know, that started just before the PGA championship, um, doing some biomechanical work, um, through his coach. 
and then he's made a couple of adjustments to his driver at the US Open and I was there with him for that. Um, so it's been an, a bit of a work in progress and certainly we saw the fruits of that work um, this last week. He drove it beautifully. Tony, once a year, I believe, you go over to uh, Jacksonville, Florida, where, where Cam lives with the two recipients of the Cameron Smith Scholarship, which is a fantastic thing that Cam does. He's got a great it is feel. Great. He's got a great feel for giving back, Cam. You know, he goes back to his home club at Wontema and runs a, a tournament every year, I think. That'd he's be just, right. He's and just paid money back for the high he, uh, You know, so you go over with the uh, scholarship boys. I mean, you've been over there with, with Jed Morgan and Louis Dobler and, and others over, over the last couple of years. What's he like in that uh, scenario, and I, I wanted to confirm a little story I heard that he told Louis Double R off for not eating his veggies. Uh, <laughs> is that true? What's he like yeah. in that environment? And, and did he tell Louis Double R that he should eat more veggies? <laughs> yeah, look, he's incredible on those trips. And I've just recently got back from the most recent one. He was there with Kai Kamilainen and Billy Dowling, spent a week at his house, and then spent the week at the Memorial Tournament with him. And, you know, it's really, I've said this a few times, that it's really difficult to describe just how good he is on those trips, how good he, giving he is with his time, how much time he spends with the kids, you know, asking him questions, challenging him on um, how they're going to improve and how they're going to get to the level and showing him, showing the, the players what, they, what it takes to be at that highest level. Um, so, look, those trips are invaluable. And for us, to, for those players to be able to see where they want to get to and what they need to do to get there is incredible. Um, he, he definitely, like, you know, he loves taking the mickey out of the players and, you know, he's a kid at heart, so he loves having kids around. And, yeah, he I can confirm he definitely, and he still does, he's a good mate of Louis now. And he, he absolutely, uh, it's quite funny, we were, we were having dinner and Louis didn't want to have the carrots. And uh, it was like, we're, well, we're going to get Sundays and if you don't eat the carrots, we're not going to get them. And, um, Cam sat there, made him finish the carrot. So um, we still remind Louis of that. Uh, three years on, three, four years on. You know, I don't ask a question unless I know the answer because, because Cam told me that. Uh, um, sorry, Marco. Uh, Tony, as the chief of high performance, I mean, it's clear that his best golf is good enough to beat everybody in the world. I mean, that that is clear. But but where's he at? Are we still trying to make his best golf better? Or are we trying to get him to play his best golf more consistently? Yeah, look, I think he's like, it's evident. His best golf um, is the best in the world um, when he's got it. And he's, sh- he's shown it multiple times this year at the Century, at the Players' Championship, and then again um, at the Open Championship this week, you know, third at the Masters. Like, when he's got his best stuff, um, he's going to win major championships and some of the biggest tournaments. So I think that is the focus. It is, you know, how do, how do you consistently get the game that you've got just to be that little bit better all the time? And I've said it before, but, you know, his team's done an incredible job of sticking to that blueprint, knowing what works and just making it that little bit better and that little bit more consistent. Tone, I mentioned the uh, Mickey taking uh, capacity of C. Smith. What does he get stuck into you about? Because uh, I was with him at the Olympics and he, he never stopped on me about Having, I told him, I made the mistake of telling him that the Olympic people just wanted me to write three paragraphs a day. So every day it was like, have you done your three paragraphs yet? You know, <laughs> what does he get stuck into I, you about? Uh, how much time have we got? Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, 
he he'll get stuck into me about whatever whatever I, it's happening at the time, whether it's my lack of hair, my uh, inability to hit the fairway with my driver, or <laughs> um, any number of things. Yeah, he's he's, he's relentless. He's great. Yeah, he's he's great fun to be around. Um, I certainly enjoy the the times uh, that I get to spend with him, and um, yeah, like I said, what you see on TV is yeah how he is everywhere else. Well, he's a brilliant role model and obviously he's been well-guided by yourself, Tony, and uh, and shortly you'll get the opportunity to catch up with him in person. Once again, he's coming home for the first time in three years and what a special time that'll be. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited for the for the summer of golf and, um, yeah, it's going to be incredible for the Australian fans to see him uh, again. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Tony. You've been our two pick for the week. We really appreciate your time and continue to enjoy uh, the uh, obviously the result and everything that comes along with it and uh, we'll check in at some stage later. Thanks, guys. Coming up next after the break, all the news from Around the Traps with Martin Blake. Welcome back to the show and the fifth and final major for the women is the Evian and it's in France, of course. We've got a handful of Aussies. Uh, Blakey with, uh, with Minji, world number two, she'll be defending her title. Could, could, Min, could we win another major this week? You know what? Every chance. Why not? Every chance. Yeah. Have, uh, you seen her, have you seen her performance in the last five majors? So she's 52 under par for the last five majors and 30 shots ahead of her nearest rival. <laughs> that is an incredible stat. That's just major golf. You know, it's just incredible. I mean, she's not number one in the world, but she's number one in the majors comfortably. If she wins this week, I'm sure she will get to number one. Jin Young Ko is number one at the moment. Yeah. but So that's a, a big week for us as well this week. And obviously Hannah Green, who's had a pretty good year without winning. Uh, sorry, without winning on the US. She did, she did win early in the year back at home. But, um, you know, I think that uh, either of those two would be a chance this week. So how, how good would that be? I already mentioned before that, you know, we've only, we've only had three multiple major winners in t- yeah. terms of a man and a woman from Australia, so in history. So uh, that's on this week. Tiff, uh, I wanted to mention as part of the news, uh, the Play 9 winners, Shane Ritchie and Ann Campbell, they got to play at St Andrews on the old course as part of the Golf Australia Play 9 National Finals. They won the National Final in Melbourne last year and the trip was to the oh, Open oh, Championship and then oh, they oh. get to play on St, wow. An- on St Andrews. How did they uh, go? I... You, Dane Heverin, our, our news hound, spoke to them. They absolutely were stoked. Um, but what needs to be mentioned is that it's on again this year. So if you go to golf.org.au backslash play nine, you'll see how it works. But you basically, if you've got a Golf Link handicap, you can just like go and play nine holes with someone and you just submit it as part of the competition. And at the end of the year, there's a, a national final, which will be at the Australian Open in December. Brilliant. And then next year, if you get through, you get to go and play at the Open Championship. Just an amazing prize. Year. Unbelievable. It, Trip of a lifetime. It's awesome. Now, what about Richard, Richard Green? Green, yes. Marco, you would have played a lot of golf with Richard Green, I'm yes. thinking. Yeah, I grew up with Richard uh, in so golf did, circles in Melbourne. Yeah. So left-hander, beautiful swing. He's won twice on the European Seniors Tour, I believe, back-to-back. No, he was always a superstar human yeah. first and, and a very, very, very good player second. He's, he came, um, I think he shot one of the lowest rounds ever at Carnoustie in the last round to creep up in the fourth or fifth uh, the year Pedrick Harrington won there. So he's always been a great fella and a beautiful golfer and a beautiful person. Um, so I'm very happy for him, you know. We will never forget when he and his, was it his wife? Both won the Victorian Open. 
so that was that was an amazing year. So the Victorian Open, of course, uh, not like other tournaments around the country. Men and women both play. Richard won. Yep. Uh, and so did his wife. So just incredible. And goes to show. It's, I love that you can you're, you're seeing players continue to play well into their senior years. And this is one of the great things about golf. It's a game for life. You can play it. My dad's 83 and still hitting a golf ball. It's a, superb. Now, Keely Marks, Tiff, is 18 years of age, a Melbourne girl. She's the world champion. That's a that's a big story. So world junior champion. World junior champion. She won the IMG Academy World Junior for fifteen to eighteen year olds. Uh, that's an event that's played at Torrey Pines, one of the most famous courses in the world in California. And then that she then they won the teams, and the boys won the teams. So we've got both teams of the world junior champions and the yeah. and the female world junior champion. You know? Do you know what? I've got a little treat for you, Keely. Wonderful to connect with you. I know that you've given us a few minutes. You've just walked out of a uh, class at uh, Yarra Valley Grammar where you're attending Year 12 Global Politics a fair way away from uh, San Diego and the uh, the World Championships. How do you mix the two, your golf and your studies? Um, yeah, it's definitely not easy. Um, I've just got to, you know, think about what I want to do in the future and um, make sure I can balance both. You know, I want to go to college in the US and, you know, got to pass all my classes to be able to, um, go over there and, you know, do what I love and play golf over there. So um, I guess you've just got to be able to maintain both to get the boast, best of both worlds. Uh, congratulations. Uh, as far as I can tell, you are the world junior champion. I mean, it's just enormous. Uh, I know the tournament doesn't carry that officially, but we all know it does. Um, some great <laughs> Australians have done it. When people talk about what you've just done, I mean, I know you've done other stuff in golf and we've been following your career. Is it sunk in yet? Did it sink in on the flight home? Honestly, as soon as people tell me, like, you like you know, you've just won the World Championships, I'm like, oh, really? Like, it doesn't – like, it hasn't sunk in yet, honestly. Um, I just – you know, seven months ago, we're still kind of in COVID and I've been able to come out and do this. I'm like, it's honestly, like, insane to think that I was able to, you know, represent my country and then compete at that sort of level. It's obviously, like, something that you can only imagine and I just – I can't believe that I was able to do it. And on a weekend where Cam Smith wins the Open, the 150th, and we've seen some pictures of him trying to bring the uh, the famous claret jug on the plane. Did you win a big trophy and and, uh, and try to bring that back maybe in the, the seat next year? <laughs> um, it's honestly an amazing thing to share. Um, he has probably no idea who I am, but I definitely know who he is, and it's so cool to be able to share the same thing as him. Um, obviously, at two very different levels. But, yeah, I, I did struggle to bring the trophy home, had no idea how to pack it in my suitcase or my golf bag, so I ended <laughs> up having it as a carry-on. I put it up top in the overhead, and I was worried about it the whole way home. Um, <laughs> So I ended up putting it um, at my feet, very secure, um, came home in one piece. Well so done. that's all that matters. The trophy is good in on one piece. Um, yeah, so that's all good now. Keely, a pretty dramatic finish too. So talk us through the end because you're tied for the lead going up the last hole of a 72-hole tournament, which you don't get to play all that often, I guess. And the, the American Sammy Miller was tied with you going up the last, but um, she made a triple, I think. Yeah, it was a very intense last nine, to be honest. Like, I was four shots up, and then she's just going eagle, birdie, birdie, birdie. And I'm like, <laughs> where did that come from? Um, yeah, and I just tried to stay as steady as I could. But, yeah, coming down the last, like, oh, so nervous. Um, the last hole at Torrey Pines in the north, like, you've got – 
left you can go left for miles honestly like you have room you have like 300 meters of room to go left and I've gone right and I'm like you literally had one job um but that's okay <laughs> ended up I ended up making a very shaky bogey but um yeah unfortunately um for Sammy yeah she's um put herself in a really tricky short-sighted situation um she's just stayed in the bunker for three shots and yeah made triple and I was like oh I did not see that coming at all from you know her finish on her last nine like having five under and four holes it's like you know anything can happen I guess um but yeah it was pretty cool to come away with it. Hey Keely your form's been building you you captain Victoria just won the junior teams at Sorrento early this year have you just really felt your game pick up over the last few months? Oh, absolutely. Since probably the start of January, I feel like my form has just been pretty much on point from there. Um, a lot of work has gone into it and it's really good that I finally get to, I guess, show it off to people and um, see how hard that myself and my team and my family, um, everything that we've done um, building up to this. Keely, you've been on the radar for quite a while, but it hasn't been a necessarily a smooth path. Has it? Tell, tell us about the injury you had to your back, I think about a year ago. And there was a period there where you couldn't play any golf at all. And uh, Darren, um, Lay, Darren yeah. Lay, the physio, I think at the VIS uh, or the Victorian State Physio, uh, you got to know him very well <laughs> uh, through that period. It, it was really difficult, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I definitely got to um, get to know him. I was seeing him, you know, twice a week for about three months, honestly. Um, yeah, it was just a bit of a – honestly, still don't really know how it happened. Um, just had a lot of issues with my back um, and just, you know, was very cautious with um, stopping off for a little bit just to make sure that I could get back on top of things. Um, it took a little longer than expecting, but, um, yeah, no issues now. Um, thanks to his help and a lot of the help from Golf Australia, um, just having them on board, getting me through it step-by-step step has been a great thing, you know, back playing golf for like the last seven months now and I'm finally able to get my name back out there and prove to people that, you know, I didn't stop, you know, I put as much effort into it as I could into it all. Well, it was a big week for the Australian team, wasn't it, Keely, with Jai Halls and Kai Komulone and winning the men, the boys' championship. And you, yourself and Brielle Mapanillo, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, Mapanillo, won the girls' title. Yeah, I. Um, we all walked into that event not even knowing that there was a team's event. And then after the first <laughs> round, we're looking at the leaderboard and we're like, oh, there's a team's event. Like, bonus. how did that get chosen? I know, it was an absolute bonus. And then seeing all of our names up there on the top, we're like, oh, this is pretty insane. And then, you know, the um, the gap between first and second just kept building after each round. And um, we're pretty ecstatic to come away with that as well. And I think it was all chosen off world ranking Um and I think it was it was pretty cool to come away with that um, on top of, you know, obviously Jai having um, an exceptional week away himself and Kai. Um, I think everybody was pretty happy with how they played. You know, every single person mm-hmm. that, you know, started the event, um, you know, made the cut um, as an Australian. And I think that's a pretty cool um thing that we can all say that you know we all went over there and played pretty solid you absolutely did and the signs continue to look good for australian golf with uh, young players coming through we wish you all the very best Killy. we know we've got to let you get back to your class because you're in year 12 so all the best with uh, with both your studies and your golf we'll watch with interest thank you i appreciate it coming up next we've got marco's masterclass don't miss this one
Well, we were given a masterclass in Cam Smith's punning, but Marco, see if you can uh, top this one. <laughs> I bet that's on the top of the list. Well, I saw Jonathan Yarwood, uh, who's a very famous coach, uh, coached Michael Campbell. Uh, he tweeted out the left hand on the leg, which we did that masterclass back when he won the Players' Championship. Um, so a long time ago. But I, I just want to talk about uh, the psychology of holding really important putts because – People put, and when I say people, professionals out there too, they put so much pressure on themselves to actually hold the putt. Now, you've got to change this way of thinking. The only pressure on you when there is an important putt is to go through your pre-shot routine properly and put a good stroke on the ball. Now, when you step away, I mean, a lot of people put the uh, cart in front of the horse because all they're worried about is holding the putt, holding the putt, holding the putt. But what you've got to do first is you've actually got to get through your pre-shot routine, or even before that, you've got to read the green properly. You've got to understand um, that your pre-shot routine is very important, and you do that perfectly. And then all you have to be confident about is able to put a good stroke on the thing. Because we were talking about this before, putting green is not a billiard table. It's it's not a perfect it's not a perfect surface to putt on. So, you know, maybe the three-footers, you know, they should go in most of the time if you're a good putter. But the 10-foot putts that we saw Cameron Smith hold all the time, you can't be confident of holding that putt all the time. But, my goodness, you can be confident of putting a good stroke on it all the time. So change the way you think and just get the good stroke going. And who knows, after that, maybe you'll see more and more going in the hole like, our uh, British Open champion. Oh, Tiff, uh, Marco, I just wanted to ask you about a stat relating to his putting. On, yeah. on the Friday when he shot 64, he, sh- he holed 253 feet of putts. Yeah. So, Tiff, just bear in mind, like a lot of people don't really quite grasp this stat. If you two putt on a – let's say it's a par four and you hit it to the edge of the green, you putt it up to a foot – you put that putt in for a foot. That's what you get that's, for that that's, stat. Yeah, you get a foot. Yeah. He holds 253 <laughs> wow. feet. It's an average wow. 14 feet per hole, yeah. which is nearly five metres. So let's say it's a world record. That is inc- it it's is a world record, incredible. but it won't count because the Open Championship uses a different GPS system to, oh, the, to no. the PGA Tour. So they're not. It's not an official. Oh. It, but it's a. Re- it would have been a record for the PGA Tour. So that's holding a lot of putts. Yeah, it's incredible. And you think of pro. I mean, a lot of the time when they hit their lag putt, the putts that miss, they're only going to be two footers anyway. So if you had nine two footers, there's eighteen. So he's holding the other nine holes. You know, basically averages out to twenty footer. Twenty foot like. 10, it's nine, mind, 10, 20 footers. It's mind-boggling. Well, it's time for all of us to go to the putting green and uh, go through our pre-putt routine. That's it. Don't worry about holding a putt. Just put pressure on yourself. The only pressure on yourself is to make a good stroke. See you next week. See you guys.